Good morning. Wow, that was a great welcome, man. We're glad you guys are here today. You know, you don't sound like a 9 o'clock service today. You sound like a 10.30 service. How was your Easter? Was, was it good? Seriously, was it good? Man, our Easter was so good. Personally, our Easter was so good. Last Sunday, all my kids and their wives were in church with us, which is a, a great deal for us as a family. And my little grandbaby, Ivy Joe was here, which I absolutely love and adore. She's the light of my life, and she turns two this month. So I, I love her. She's, she's incredible, and, and that was great. We went home, and we had all of our family and some friends over for Easter lunch. Joellen made a fantastic lunch and lots of great food, and it was just a good day. And as far as church goes, church was amazing. Amen. I mean, what an amazing weekend. If you were part of the Good Friday experience, how powerful was that? And if you, yeah, absolutely, a round of applause for that. If you did not get to do that, mark it on your calendars next year because it's that good to be a part of. And then our Easter services, three services, all of them had a lot of people in them. And it was just a great day to celebrate the event that tops all other events, the thing that changed everything which is the resurrection of Jesus. And so it was a great weekend all together. And then today, we're starting a new series called Love Where You Live. So let me ask you a question. Do you love where you live? Some of you are going, uh, maybe, I, I don't know, kind of. Listen, most of you live in Butler County, Ohio, all right? Most of you. Some of you may live outside of that. Butler County. Butler County is a great place to live. It just is. As a matter of fact, the poorest people in Butler County make more than the richest people in most other parts of the world. Just so you're aware of that. It's a good place to live. Now, for me, I grew up in a little town called Chester, West Virginia, and we were about 30 miles from Pittsburgh, Ghost Steelers. Anyway, there was plenty of work there when I grew up. There were several steel mills, you know, within 20, 30, 40 minutes. There were potteries everywhere. As a matter of fact, if you ever have had Fiesta Ware pottery, that was made 10 minutes from where I grew up. So the bright colored multi-dishes that you pulled together, that's, that's kind of my home area. And it was just a great place to grow up because you could stay out till 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock in the morning as a, I don't know, third grader. My mother never worried about me. Maybe that should have told me something right there, but it was, it was one of the safe environments, you know, growing up in a Mayberry-type environment. It was really, really good. But, but, but let me ask you, we're going to go through a series of questions here. Have you taken a good look at where you live lately? Have you taken a good look at your surroundings? Can you name two neighbors that you have that are close to you? Two neighbors. Somebody give me names. Two neighbors. Keep coming. Two, two neighbors. All right. Some of you are just absolutely lying because you don't know any of your neighbors. Jim and uh, Joan. Yeah, they're my neighbors. You know, now, some of you do. You, you, you may know your neighbors. And, and some of you, you, know, you, you might know who they are. I can do that because I've only got two neighbors. I live on a street with two other houses. And so we've got, you know, Don in the front. And uh, we've got, what's the guy next to us, Joel, and what's his name? Um, Gary, that's his name. So, yeah, 
Gary and Karen and Don, and I'm sorry, I don't know Don's wife's name. So anyway, I'm not real good at that, but I do know at least the guy's names on my street. And uh, have you ever talked to your neighbors? I mean, have you talked to them lately? You consider yourself an observant person? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you pick up everything. Maybe you pick up nothing. Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want everyone just to take a few seconds. Turn around and look at the people behind you. I'm going to give you five, ten seconds to do that. <laughs> Say hi if they're right there next to you, you know. I know, they're turning around. It's hard to do, isn't it? There you go. That's part of the fun. All right, everybody, look at me right now. Now, you're not allowed to turn around again. You have to look at me. Here's the deal. Person sitting two rows back from you, might be three, might be four, depends on where you're sitting. Two rows back from you, male or female? Blonde, brunette, redhead, or brilliant silver hair? What do they have? Jessica, you got it? What's the color shirt of the person sitting two rows behind you? Don't turn around. That's not allowed. My goodness. This is church and you're cheating. What's up with that? (laughs) Here's the challenge. I am praying that for the next four weeks, we start looking around us and we start being a little bit more observant to see what needs to change in our lives and the lives of the people around us. Because always in our lives, something needs to change. We need to continue to grow and develop and mature. And people around us might be having some serious issues. I would love for us to stop and take a good look around and start intentionally building friendships with the people around us. Now, they may not look like you. They may not act like you. They may not believe like you. But build some friendships with the people that are around you. I would love to see us as community church start to open up some, some new friendships and some spiritual connections that, that maybe we haven't made the time to invest in in the past. I would love to see all of us as part of this church start to see the world around us in a different kind of way. Hey, here's the reality. COVID's over. There's no more excuse. You don't get to hibernate and hide out and and go, oh, COVID, I can't go out of my my front door. It doesn't work that way anymore, all right? There's no more excuses. It's time to get out of your house and start making friends again. Now, most of us have neighbors that we see all the time. Most of us have coworkers that, that maybe we see every day. Maybe you go to the same grocery store on the same day every week and you see the same people every time you go. Or you go to one of your kids' sporting events. It's the same parents with the same kids and the same people there every single week. What would happen if you started looking at them with a different set of eyes, in a different kind of way? If you started seeing them that people that God loves and we need to love. That's why we're doing this series called Love Where You Live. It's not about your house. I don't care how many bedrooms you have. I don't care how many bathrooms you have. I don't care how much property you have. It's not about the entertainment system. It's about the people that are around you. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. 
we've talked the past couple weeks, God has you exactly where you are for a reason. Exactly where you are. In the house you're in, the neighborhood you're in, on the street that you're on, at the work environment that you're in, He has you there for a reason, for a purpose. You just have to be willing to step up and see that, and look at that, and do something about that. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, version apps, whatever you have, open to Matthew 28, or just follow along on the screen. You can do that as well. Matthew 28, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. All right, this is the last thing that Jesus said before He went back to heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that's important, and there are a couple key phrases there that are important. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, and so he's in charge. That's an important statement. He's in charge. And look at how this ends. I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you take one of those two scripture, part of that scripture out, everything collapses around it. Because if you don't have the authority to tell us what to do, I'm not listening to you. So he says, I have all authority. That's important to understand. And secondly, if he's not going to be there with me when I go through the struggles and the trials and the temptations and the victories and the thrills, if you're not going to be there with me, then forget it. Because if you're not walking with me, I'm not doing life alone. And so those are important things to be able to do. Now, we need to step up because that's who He is. He is the Creator. He's the Father. He's the one that has everything in control. We need to step up and do what He asks us to do. And what is that? To build relationships and make disciples. That's what He's asking us to do. He's, he has all the authority. Are you going to do what he says to, for us to do or not? That's your choice. But that's what he tells us to do. Build relationships, make disciples. You're going, Scott, I'm not sure I can do that. I don't know how to do that. That's a huge responsibility, and you're right. And even if you knew what to do, how to make disciples, even if you knew all of that, you're not going to change the world overnight. That's the problem with some pastors. They get into ministry and think, I'm going to change this neighborhood, this city, this state, this country. I'm going to change everybody. And you get into it going, I can't change anything. I can only change myself and my environment. That's what I can change, but I can make disciples. So how do we change the world? We do it by building relationships and making disciples. And how do we make disciples? It's really pretty easy if you don't know. You start one-on-one. That's how you make disciples. We start with the people that are closest to us. And maybe those are the people that are living under your roof right now, right? Your family. Maybe it's the people on your street or in your neighborhood. Somebody was singing the Sesame Street song when they left the 9 o'clock service. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Never mind. If you don't know it, forget it. Anyway, maybe it's somebody that lives next to you. Maybe it's somebody in your apartment complex, in your dorm room. We have to start loving where we live. And that's key. Jesus was asked this question. It's my favorite scripture. What's the greatest commandment of all? And I love what Jesus said because he summarized all 613 Jewish laws down to two things. Mark 12, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else is summed up in these two things, 
Love God and love people. Have you heard that here before? Love God and love people. If we can't do those two things, then our lives are messed up. Love God, love people. If you can do those two things, then your world starts to change. Who's your neighbor? We've talked about this a lot. Who's your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. Maybe it, though, maybe it is somebody that lives next door to you. Maybe it is someone that you work with. Maybe it's someone that you work out with. Maybe it's the teller at the bank. Maybe it's the checkout person at the grocery store. You know, maybe it's the person sitting next to you at a football game, even though they may be wearing the better jersey than what you're wearing. Just saying. I'm a Steeler fan if you don't know. So, you know, I, I see how that works. But maybe it's someone that doesn't look like you, believe like you, act like you, or live like you. Do you love those people? Do you love them? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And if we're going to love where we live, then we have to start with the most basic question. Who lives with you? Who lives with you? How many of you have a full house right now? Kids, animals, hopefully dogs, no cats allowed. You have, you know, full house. You've got those people there. How many of you are empty nesters? Raise your hands. Nice. Nice. It's kind of nice. How many of you just wish your kids would move out? <laughs> yeah, then you get to the point where you're going, how many of you wish your kids would just move back in? You know, that, that's how that whole thing changes, right? It, it, it just does. How many of those people who live in your place have a faith in Jesus? Maybe we change that question around a little bit. How many of the people that live under your roof know that you have a faith in Jesus and they see it being lived out every single day? You see, if you're not living it out in your home and around the people you love, if your faith in Jesus is not making a difference in how you live and what you do and where you go and what you say, then something needs to change in your life because you're not winning anyone if Jesus isn't changing you. Look at John 1. Andrew had started following Jesus, and the first thing he does is he goes home and he tells his brother about Jesus. And his brother's name is Simon, later gets called Peter. John 1, 4, 41. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. His first thought is to go back to where he lived. You know what the challenge with that is? Sometimes family is not the easiest to love. Isn't that true? Anybody else kind of fall into that category? You have family that just aren't easy to love. There's always an in-law. There's always a step-parent. There's a brother or a sister or that, you know, that person that married into the family that you're just going... Man, i got to prepare myself every time I go to a family gathering because I struggle with this person. I've got that. And if you don't have that, it's probably you. Just, again, we're <laughs> clarifying that, right? Yeah, I struggle with that. 
You know, here's the deal. As hard as it is to love some of the people in our own families, it's that much more important to do it. Because who else do you want to change than the people that you know the best? Who else do you want to have a relationship with Jesus than the people that have lived under your roof or beside you or alongside of you? They're the ones that put up with you. They should be a priority for you because it starts at home. Acts chapter 1 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It starts at Jerusalem, which is your home. Those are the people you have contact with every day. And don't miss this. The power to love them doesn't come from you. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that gives you the ability to make disciples. It's not about you. It's about you letting the Holy Spirit work through you and in you to change people's lives. That's what it is. Right now, some of you have kids that have taken a hard turn. I talk to you every week. Your kids aren't kind of walking the path that you want them to walk. And their lives are kind of messed up. And you've prayed for them, and you're waiting for them, and you're hoping for them, and you can't wait for them to come back and maybe deepen a faith. And maybe some of you have a spouse that's in that same situation. You, you know, you love them, and you want what's best for them and for their future, but they've kind of walked away from, from faith in general. And that hurts. Again, these are the people that we have the most feelings for. But they seem to be the people that we don't think can ever make it spiritually. If they walked in, this ceiling would definitely collapse. You know, you don't know my son. You don't know my daughter. You don't know my wife. You, you don't know. They're never going to find Jesus. Friends, never say that. When you say they'll never find Jesus, what you're saying is God's not powerful enough to change them. Nothing can change them. God's not even there for them. You don't know what's going to happen in their life that will change them. You don't know if maybe their house burns down and it changes them because it shocks them into a reality that this life is short. You don't know what car accident may change them. You don't know what losing a job may do to them that brings them back to a faith. You don't know what disease that they may get that changes who they are. Life-changing moments that bring clarity to who they are. Every church is filled with people who you and other relatives and other neighbors gave up on. You know that, right? Maybe that's you. Everybody gave up on you, but you're still here. You showed up because God's doing something in your life. Maybe there was one person that didn't give up on them, though. Maybe there was one person that invited that person to Easter. Maybe one person that built a friendship with them. Maybe just one person that listened to them that made all the difference in the world. Now listen, we need to quit seeing people as projects and we have to start looking at everyone. People like us and people not like us. People who believe like us and people that don't believe like us. We need to see them as people that we need to love and serve and be there for. That's who we need to be. We need to look at them as people that Jesus died for because that's exactly what he did. 
We used to sing this song when I was little in church, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, I don't think that's true anymore because those colors are all mixed together. And it's beautiful to see that because God loves all of us. And it doesn't matter what your skin tone is, and it doesn't matter what your heritage is, and it doesn't matter what your background is, and it doesn't even matter what your lifestyle is. Jesus still died for you. He loves you. And because He died for you and loves you, we need to love everyone around us. Let's take a different twist on this. Not only people who live with you, but how about people that live near you? How many Facebook friends do you have? <laughs> Anybody have over 1,000 Facebook friends? Some of, how about over 2,000 Facebook friends? Over 3,000 Facebook friends. I'm just going to say this. You know they're not your friends, right? I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. You know they're not really your friends. I mean, they might be an acquaintance from a long time ago, but, but how many people follow you on Instagram, Twitter, whatever other form of social media you have? When, when you look at them, you need to understand that the current way of doing life is challenging because there's no face-to-face -face connection to deepen relationships, all right? Now, I don't, I don't take away the fact that that, that online relationships can be very real and they can be very deep and there's a lot of thing happening with that. But does it bother anyone else? I mean, anyone else, whenever your kids sit there on their phones next to each other, texting each other. They're not communicating, but they're communicating, right? Does that bother anyone else? And listen, it doesn't just happen with teenagers, all right? Randy Mosteller can be in this building, and he texts me four, five, six, fifty times. I'm in the comm building, and it's like, get up and walk fifty yards, and let's sit down and have a conversation. I love you, Randy. Sorry, brother. He's our executive pastor, by the way. But how many husbands and wives? You're in the same house. Somebody's upstairs. Somebody's downstairs, and you're texting. Hey, what's for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Let's go to Skyline. Okay, everything's solved. But it happened over text. There's no communication. And then you sit at Skyline on your phones and you don't communicate there either. One of the connectedness things with, with just, just, just being together, it's kind of lost a little bit in our current culture. I, I love this. I read this article several years ago, but it's one of my favorites. They said something happened back in the 1980s. They said the front porch swing was replaced by the backyard privacy fence. And that's true. You know, now my, grand, my granddad and Grandma Swellbar, they lived in a little town called Caddis, Ohio. And it was a coal mining town, but it was a nice town. And they lived on the edge of town. And my granddad had had a stroke, and he would sit on the front porch from early morning until late at night, and people would walk up and down that street, they'd stop in, they'd spend an hour, two hours, carry on a conversation, leave, somebody else would come up on the porch, do the same thing. When was the last time somebody came up on your porch, sat down with you for an hour or two hours uninvited? Anybody? No, it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And then it says the garage door opener was invented. 
You pull into your driveway, you hit the garage door opener, you wave at your neighbor very politely, you pull in and you shut the garage door opener and you go in your house and you never see them. That, that, that's kind of how it works, right? We lived in Lakewood, the subdivision behind the church here for 21 years. And Big John the Dancing Trucker, some of you know who that is, six foot seven, huge guy, lived two houses down from us. And he always did this thing on Saturday mornings. It was like a dance fitness kind of thing that he did in his driveway. All right? Now, six foot seven, Big John, with a bunch of 50 and 60-year-old housewives trying to figure out these dance moves that John would do in his driveway. It was terrifying is what it was. Joel and I would pull in from yard sailing on, yard sailing on Saturday mornings and I'm just praying when I pull in my drive, garage door opener, do not let me down now. Yo, please open this door so I can pull in and shut it and not have to talk to John. Because if I had to talk to John, John's going to go, hey, Scott, come on over and dance with us. Number one, I can't dance very well. Number two, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so it was one of those things. We, we just really, the, the, the truth is we don't want to make time for other people. Now, I love John, and John's still a friend. He still lives around here somewhere. Uh, I, I really do. But sometimes we just don't want to make time for other people. You know, we have to see. We have to, to go back to our social media. Anybody like what we put? Any, anybody, you know, liking our Facebook posts? Anybody commenting on those things? But we're not willing to do that face-to-face in conversation. If we're going to start loving our neighbors, then we need to start creating some space in our lives for other people. We have to be willing to listen, to learn, to connect. When I was growing up, I could tell you everyone in the house on our street. I lived on Virginia Avenue, Chester, West Virginia, 26034. I still remember the zip code. Anyway, it was 232 Virginia. And every, it was a long street. I knew everyone on that street. And everyone knew me. And everyone on that street had permission from my parents to spank me, whip me, or put me in my place whenever I did something out of line. Nobody has permission to do that anymore. And we need it. We need people willing to step up to know who we are, to know our weaknesses, to know our flaws, to, to know what was going on. But again, when I grew up, we had three TV channels. And the third one, you had to use tinfoil and rabbit ears and stand on your right foot at just the right angle to get it. We didn't have video games. We had two games when I was in junior high, Pong and Asteroids. That was it. That was what came out. You know, that, that, that's all we had. But you know what we did? We went outside. And we were outside all day long, all night long, because we were connecting with the people in our neighborhoods. It was pretty amazing when the hurricane, I think it was Ivan, came through several years ago and knocked out power in this area for about three or four days. Again, we lived in Lakewood subdivision back here. Everything was out. Everybody's food started going bad, you know, because you got no refrigeration, no freezers. I met more neighbors after that happened than I had in the 10 years previously that I had lived there. Why? Because hey, come on over, I've got food cooking on the grill here, come on over, we'll eat together, we'll spend some time together. We connected to more people through that than any other time that we lived in the neighborhood. It was really a great moment, actually. And friends, listen, 
it's tough to love your neighbors if you don't know them. It's just the truth, isn't it? If you don't know them, you can't love them. Eric Hoffer says this, It's easier to love humanity as a whole than to love one's neighbors. How do you intentionally love your neighbors? Got to build a relationship with them. You got to know when something's happening in their lives. You got to know maybe when to take them a plate of cookies or go to Frisch's and buy them a coconut cream pie, whatever the case may be for you. You've got to know when to do that. You've got to know when something happens and you cut their grass. That's a neighborly thing to do. I live on three acres. Come and cut my grass. You're all welcome, all right? I'm just saying. That's a neighborly thing to do, especially if there's a need happening in their lives. Several years ago, my youngest son, Zach, we had to go to Memphis for some surgery for him, and, and I storm came through. I was trying to cut down some pine trees in my backyard, and there were probably 10 pine trees back there, and I had got them all cut down. Some of them chopped up and moved up towards the front of my fence, but we were leaving the next morning early, and it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was dead tired. I mean, I was just wiped out. And I had a couple of friends from church come over and say, hey, I'm going to bring this truck over. We're going to load this thing up. And I said, oh, man, that's great. And, and uh, Greg Hudson uh, usually comes to this service. I don't know if you're here today or not, Greg, but he came walking by my house. He lived in the same neighborhood, came walking by my house, probably skipping and singing because that's kind of his personality. And he said, hey, you need some help? And it was like, yeah, I really do. He said, I'll be right back. He came and worked about five or six hours just loading that stuff into the back of a dump truck. Friends, that's how you neighbor someone. That's how you help someone in need. That's what you do when you step up and say, I see that you're hurting. I see you're not in a great place. That's loving God and loving people. I mean, we see it all through the Bible, but yet we think, well, I don't need to do that. I just need to be by myself. I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't want to connect with anyone. Listen, get that out of your mind. It doesn't mean just because you might be an introvert personality that you can't step outside of your personality and connect with someone in need and build a friendship and build a relationship with someone that you can share Jesus with. That's what we're called to do. I love seeing Jesus in the New Testament. Because he's always eating with people. He was either going to eat with someone, he was eating with someone, or he's coming from eating with someone. And that wasn't about the food. It was all about the relationship and the connectedness and how he could help them and serve them. Matthew eleven nineteen says this, The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. In other words, Jesus was spending time with the people he needed to spend time with, and he did it intentionally. What are you doing intentionally to build relationship with people outside of your close circle of friends? What are you doing? Who are you eating with? Who's your neighbor? God is calling us to impact the people around us. Love God, love people. He's calling us to do that. How are you doing in that realm of things? Are you loving God and loving people? Or do you need some help with that?
Maybe today's the first part of the challenge for you. Love those around us. Love those in our homes. Show Jesus to everyone. Maybe for you today, you need to connect to Jesus. We're here for that. Maybe you need to meet him in baptism. Say, I need my past washed before I can do anything in the future. We're here for that. Maybe you need somebody just to pray with you today. We'll have some people down front to do that with you and for you to befriend you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. God, because you loved us, we can love others. Help us to realize that to get out of our, our, our own lives and, God, to step in to the life of someone else that may have a need or may have a hurt that we can help to heal. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for each of us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.